Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Good morning, Oak City Church. It is so great to be with you live. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Um, And I was just reflecting as we were both enjoying uh, this online service together and also in worship just now, uh, the crazy thought that it has been three months in lockdown this coming weekend. Way back when we thought we were just going in for a brief two weeks. And I just wanted to start off this morning just with an encouragement that we we are in this together and, and even when we're leaning in for that hour, when we join together on a Sunday morning, it is so worth doing it together as God's family. I also wanted to start off this morning by just saying a huge thank you um, to Jordan and to Chloe for the incredible gift of their biscuits this week. Um, I'm a big believer in giving honor where honor is due. And you guys have just been so generous in blessing us this week. You are new to our community in the way that you've loved us while juggling two kids has just been so, so thoughtful. So why don't we give them a bit of a shout out and and make sure we're very gracious and and thankful for everything that the Lord is doing in our church family. Um, As you would have heard at the start of the service, we are going to be celebrating in communion this morning. And I actually thought I'd flip things on its head this morning and we're going to jump straight into communion right now uh, before I share a message with us this morning. So if you haven't already, make sure you... Um, grab some elements, quickly rubbed, run to the kitchen, grab a bit of bread and, and some juice or whatever it might look like for you. Um, and I think it is timely after being in lockdown for three months and just the sheer turbulence and trauma of what we've been going through. I can imagine even the night before Jesus was to be crucified, a completely different type of trauma where he sat with his disciples and as followers of Jesus have been around the world Um, Throughout the age since Jesus ascended, um, celebrated both the sovereignty and the goodness and the promises. And I love that worship song that we were just singing together, that our King is coming. He has promised us both that he would defeat death and he would be resurrected and that he is coming back. And so without a great deal of fuss this morning, um, I just wanted us to take 30 seconds. This is not a moment to pick up our phone or to be distracted by something else. But just for 30 seconds to posture ourselves and just to say thank you. That is what communion is all about, is simply saying thank you and remembering um, what Jesus has done for us until he comes again. And so in your own time, just sit with the Lord. We take the bread and, and, and we eat it. Um, but this is the body that was broken for us so that we might have free and available access to the Father. And we eat together. And then we take the juice or the wine or whatever kind of liquid you had available this morning and we drink it remembering that it was Jesus's blood that was poured out for us, making a covenant with us for for all of eternity that we may live in his kingdom that is coming. And maybe just for 10 or 20 seconds in your own way, in your own time, if you just want to say thank you um, to God. Just, just connecting again with him afresh this morning.
We thank you for all that you're doing, Lord, in our own lives and that you do bring us together as your family, not even just Oaksley Church, but all the many other followers of Jesus, not even just in Australia, but around the world who do this in remembrance of you. This is not a Sunday club. It is the family of God that we have joined. And as we feast together, knowing that the kingdom of God is coming, we wait in anticipation. We remember all of you, all that you have done and the, the, the legacy and the generation that we live into now is the family of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as you would have just heard in our passage read to us from the wonderful uh, Lucy, we are continuing our Ephesians series, which has been going on for some time now. And I have found that even as um, I've been preaching, others have been preaching, Ben and Taryn and Jeff, um, Jess will be preaching in a couple of weeks. There's just been so much to mine into. And I feel like we actually could have spent longer on this series, but um, we should wrap it up by the end of this year. But this morning, as I share from Ephesians chapter 4, verses six through uh, 7 through 16, beg your pardon, I'm going to bring us just a good old-fashioned three-point sermon. There's three things that I really want to draw out of our passage for us this morning. But before I do that, I want to show you just a quick picture and tell you a bit of a story. This is a very young Charlie. This is when I was about 10 or 11 years of age. And some of you would have heard this story of mine, but back in the day... Um, I was actually quite a uh, competent cross-country runner. Well before I discovered the impact of cheeseburgers on my life and that running required any sort of training or commitment. Um, and I can remember there was one particular event where I had um, won my school cross-country carnival. And I thought, oh, that's pretty awesome. But then when I graduated up to the next level, which was to the regional cross-country carnival, I just thought to myself, there's no way that I could possibly win that. And so it's almost like my mind had said, I can't win, play it safe, hold back, you may as well just finish middle of the pack. Yet as I was running this race, I saw the person who I had beaten at our school cross-country carnival, who had come second to me, was up ahead winning the race significantly. And I thought to my, it was like a, a sudden you know, switch of heart, switch of mind where I went, hang on a second, I'm supposed to be beating that guy. And something switched and I chased after him and not only did I catch him, I ended up winning the race. And, you know, I can I think back to my glory days of when I was an 11 year old. But there was something in that that I had failed to realize the potential that I had because I had a, a lid on my thinking. I just thought, you know, this is the way that it's going to be. And I failed to realize the contribution that I could actually make in that moment. And that was partially due to ignorance that I didn't know any better. But it was also maybe a little bit to do with laziness. And it was something of a perspective that had to shift in me in order to find success. And um, it reminded me this week that I, I heard this fantastic example of, of it's kind of like an apple. Uh, many of us, when we see an apple, we see a, a lovely fruit, maybe we're a little bit hungry, maybe we want to bite into it. But with a certain amount of perspective, when we look at an apple, we can actually see much more than an apple. And that's not even just the small things, the beautiful things within it, the seeds, but also when we see an apple with a certain perspective, not only do we see the physical apple that is before us, we can see an orchard. We can see apple juice. We can see the, the impact and the vast catalytic array of things that go along with this apple. 
And it reminds me, um, particularly out of our passage this morning, that when we step into our gifts, when we actually realize just what God calls us into as his church, as his body, then there is, there is so much that is out there and that is possible and the potential of each and every one of us. I also heard it put um, this week uh, that we are living in, a, in an age where the great idol of our age is actually autonomy. Autonomy is a bit of a big, sometimes confusing word, but literally in Latin, it means auto, which means self, and nomos, which means law, which literally means that we become a law unto ourselves. But the passage that we're talking about this morning is actually a direct indictment of that, that actually we are not a law unto ourselves. Firstly, we are under the Lordship of Jesus, who is the head of his church, and then each and every one of us are actually dependent upon one another in order to play our part. And so in this, um, in this passage that we're looking at, there's three things that I want to draw our mind to. The first is that um, as Jeff brought us last week, as we started chapter four, there is a significant shift that happens within Paul's letter. The book of Ephesians is very much a book of two halves. The first being the, 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 the wonders of God's grace and all that we have found ourselves in as followers of Jesus. And yet the second half that we started last week is the outworking or how are we walking out God's grace? And Paul very much wrestles with this question, what are we to do as the church? And that's why chapter four, where Jeff led us in last week, started off with the, in verse one, therefore. And he goes on to say that we are called to walk worthy. And that's not a, a statement of personal achievement. That is actually a statement of a new reality. What would it look like if we truly lived um, in the reality that God is at work and that he exists? Jordan Peterson, um, who is a very contentious personality, he says there is no limit to what would happen if you acted like God existed. And so that's very much what um, chapter one through three is all about. It reminds me of that beautiful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. You may know it quite well. And the lyric that says, my gift would be far too small, even if I were to give everything. And so chapter four onwards is very much, how do we live that out? The Christian life, according to Paul, is that it's, all of life is worship. All of life is a reflection back to what Jesus has already done for us. And so in the ensuing passages of which we start and immerse ourselves in today, Paul is very much broaching this topic of the church. The church that is not a building, it's not an hour on a Sunday, it is the very people of God. That's why even in lockdown, we are the church together. And if you think way back to chapter 1, of Ephesians in verse 23 it says that the church is not peripheral to the world it is actually God's central plan for the world God does not have a plan B when it comes to the church and of course he uses us in spite of our inadequacies and some of us need to actually shift our our way of thinking when it comes to the church I know some of us you know maybe from time to time have grown aggravated with the church or been frustrated but actually Jesus loves the church he died for the church and he is coming back for his bride. And so in today's passage and elsewhere, Paul describes the church as this new reality, that we are citizens of his kingdom, that we are God's family, his dwelling place. We are his holiest of holies. And the real thrust of this morning 
Uh, the real kicker that Paul is attempting to convey is that we are the resurrected body of Jesus. The very resurrected body of Jesus on earth. I love what Teresa of Avila, who is a, a beautiful Catholic um, saint, said. She says that Christ has no body but yours. He has no hands, no feet on earth but yours. And Paul means this very literally. Often in church, because of you know our, our great schooling education, we can think that all of this is just metaphor. But Paul is literally saying that you and I together, not separate, are Jesus' body. Not just a building, not an organization. We are the church. And if you don't believe me, um, I, I won't jump into the whole passage, but I love that when Paul, who was Saul, was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus, when he was one who was persecuting the church, it was Jesus who arrived to Paul in a vision and said, um, why are you persecuting me? Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus because he wasn't physically there in the, in the flesh, but he was persecuting the church. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? The collective, as followers of Jesus in this world, we constitute Jesus's body. And Daryl Johnson puts it this way. He says that the church is the living body of the living Christ filled with the breath of God. And so how does then Christ make us the church? And that's what I really want to look at this morning. And we're going to bring up verses 7 and verses 11 through 12 that have been read for us. But we read here in verse 7, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Jesus has given gifts to his body, a kaleidoscope of diversity and creativity And God has placed within each and every one of us gifts that are meant to be a gift to the church. If I were to put this really simply, and you'd see it there in my heading, you are a gifted gift. There is a gift within you that is not just meant for you to hoard and to hold on to, but is actually meant to, as we're going to read in just a moment and all the way through verse 16, build up the body. The gifts that he has given enable the body to work together. And then Paul goes on in verse 11 and he says, and this is where he begins to talk about a thing called the fivefold gifts, or others would call it a pest. I don't want to dig too significantly into this this morning because there's so much that we could cover off on, but many scholars and commentators and church leaders will talk about how significant these roles are for the church to function in a healthy way. He gives those to be the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And what we see very quickly in this is that he doesn't give roles. He gives people. You know, as the co-leader of Oak City Church, I am not the sum of my role. I am a person that God has given gifts in order to use to bless the body of Christ. And so as a real quick kind of 30-second vision uh, uh, version, the apostle is one who lays the, the pioneering and theological foundations of the church. A prophet is one who speaks a message on behalf of God. And the test of a prophet is always one, just like John the Baptist, who points to Jesus. An evangelist, um, if I can just scroll up, apologies, I'm having some issues here with my computer today, but... Um, An evangelist, it literally means the good news-isers. And all of us are called to be 
um, the, the bring the good news. That is the great commission. But an evangelist, one who's, who's very freely and willingly walks into a room of people who don't know Jesus and shares the good news of Jesus. Um, then he says the pastor. Now, pastor literally is a shepherd. Um, and a shepherd is, um, you know, and, and this is not to... Um, uh, be be uh, malicious or anything like that, but I'm a, sheep. a shepherd has to deal with sheep, and sheep can sometimes be very skittish and very selfish, and sometimes don't behave themselves. It has to be part time security guard, part time vet, and and a shepherd who is one who is a pastor is one who's called to care for the flock. And lastly, Paul talks about teachers, those who bring the body back to the truth. And, and cause us not to creep into other things. There's this term called mission creep, but keep the body on the mission of God. But it's actually in verse 12 that we read why God does this. And he does it firstly to equip God's people. So the church is not about the pastor. The church is not about the leader. Of course, we, we have these wonderful um, governance structures with elders and so on. But the church, the early church was never meant to be clergy dependent because a healthy church, a healthy body is dependent upon everybody. In fact, I can say it with great freedom this morning, church, that it, it is my role and that of Jess and others who, who lead Oak City Church to equip you for ministry from Monday to Saturday. And when we collectively, all of God's church, step up into the gifts that God has given us and our redemptive potential, just like the apple that I made mention of before, we build up the church. You are a gift when you use your gifts to build up the church. And he then goes on to say, to do his work. Other translations say that the saints can do the work of God. And if you belong to Jesus, whether you feel like it or not, you are a saint. Every saint is a minister. Each and every one of us as followers of Jesus are called to be saints and to go on using our gifts to do the work of God. And lastly, Paul tells us it's for the building up of the body of Christ. And that is that the whole church would play our part. And, and in fact, that the body would not work to its fullest potential unless I, unless you, unless we exercise the gifts that we have been given. I don't know if you've broken a bone or had a serious injury in your life, but it's I've broken many bones. I wonder how my poor mother deal with it. But when I'd broken my arm on several occasions after they took the cast off, the muscle had atrophied. It had actually grown weak and it hadn't been used in such a long time. And I would want to encourage us this morning, church, don't be a spectator. You have got muscles that Jesus is inviting you to use. And hear me, I'm not even just talking about a Sunday gathering here, church. I'm talking about in your Monday to Saturday, how is God calling you as a minister, as a saint of Jesus Christ, to build up the church, to advance the kingdom of God? Not the, the institutional church. I'm talking about advancing the kingdom of God bringing the creativity and the good news of Jesus in whatever way that God has called you to use your gifts. And we read here why are we called to do that? If we look back again in verse 12 and then on through to verse 13, it is to maturity. Now again, I think we could, we could probably spend a whole mini-series focused on what maturity in Christ looks like. But Peter Scazzaro puts it like this, that much 
of the discipleship in the church today is the spiritual equivalent of cladding. Now, if you don't know what cladding it is, it's like, you know, when you see a beautiful brick home, it is solid, it is well looked after, but a, a cheap alternative to that is cladding, where we just patch it up and it's quite weak and cheap material. And in Peter Scazzaro's book, he actually tells this beautiful yet confronting story um, out of a book called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, written by a guy called Oliver Sacks, who was a neurosurgeon. And he told this story of a woman called Madeline who was born blind and with cerebral palsy. And Sachs came to visit this woman, Madeline, to, to identify that um, she had, had been put in a position where she wasn't able to, even with her um, condition, she had been told that her hands were unable to be used. And so she was never able to read Braille. She was never able to do different creative things. She was never able to actually live to her fullest potential. And the reason that Peter Scazzaro tells this story is because many of us have bought into the lie that we can't change, that we can't actually live into the maturity that Jesus invites us to. But transformation is available, friends. The way things are right now is not the way that they have to be. And it's like that, that adage that many of you may have heard before, that stinking thinking leads to stinking living. If we're going to continue to think the same way rather than grow up into Christ, which is what we are invited into, we will continue to get the same result. But when you know Paul is talking about maturity, the word that he is actually using is the word teleos, which literally means to grow up into the head of. It's like the destiny of why something was created. And so when we're talking about this apple, um, the, the seed is meant to grow into an apple. When we're talking about an acorn, when our acorn kids were getting together this morning, that is meant to grow up into an oak tree. And for we as the church, we are meant to grow more and more up into the likeness of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are meant to be the revelation, the very body of Jesus on earth. And so that's what maturity looks like to be shaped, to be conformed more and more into our telos, which is to be matured sons and daughters of God. And then in verse 13, it says that we would attain complete unity. Now, I loved Jeff, Jeff's message last week, but the unity that Paul is talking about here is actually quite different. It's not unity under Jesus. It's actually that we would be united to the Father as Jesus was united to the Father. It's to live under the very same reality that Jesus is, in and out of union with God. Built up to know, love, and trust the Father just as Jesus did. That is a type of vision of the kingdom that I can sign up for. It's not about filling rosters. It's not about, you know, even just behavior modification. It's not about just being a good Christian. It's actually living out of a place of being united with Jesus. Jess and I were listening to this fantastic message last night and it inspired us so much. And this pastor by the name of Alan Scott says these words. Many of us as followers of Jesus are still seeking our deliverance. But Jesus has already won out on the cross for us. Yet the Father is inviting us to live out of our inheritance. 
This, this life in the kingdom thing, this being built up to maturity is actually a vision of bringing the kingdom wherever we go, like scattered servants that changes the atmosphere of our lives individually, but as families, but also into the communities and the cities with which we live. We, are, we get to live in communion with Jesus and bring Jesus wherever we go as sons and daughters. And so as I wrap up this morning, church, I would just want to again encourage us, you know, to step into that level of maturity, which is a lifelong pursuit. It is, it is a beautiful journey, but it is a challenging one. And then out of that, out of our being, what is God also calling us to do? Because Paul is inviting us to play our part. Where have some of those muscles in your life atrophied? You've played it safe. You've held back. You haven't seen the full potential of what God is doing in and through your life. And again, I'm not even talking about a Sunday gathering. How are you allowing the ministering work of Jesus in and through your life? And so it's just as a reminder, church, we're going to be having um, some prayer after church. Um, that may be for you as an individual. But I also wanted to say to you, if you just wanted to come along this morning in order to just pray for the city of Blackdown, in order to pray for our church in this season, that we would actually rise up, that we would play our part, you are most welcome to do that. And just a reminder of those details that are right here. So I'm going to pray for us now, church. I hope you've um, been blessed this morning by the full array um, of everything that has been going on, the kids, the interview, um, even a hope that we may be able to sometime soon see one another, but just an update in that space. Um, let me pray for us now. And I so, um, yeah, I would just want to pray that this would be a seed, just like um, what the, 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 the oak, the acorn of Oak City Church has always been. So Father, I just thank you for your living and active word. Thank you that we are not slaves, but sons and daughters. Thank you that you invite us first to live out of a place of unity in faith and knowledge with you. And actually your vision for our lives is that we would become more and more like Jesus. And that actually that would be the greatest testimony to the world. Is not programs, is not Sunday gatherings, but actually that our lives would be shaped and fashioned into your son Jesus in our own uniqueness. And that each and every person that calls Oak City Church home, you are calling them to be saints and ministers of your good news. For some in their teaching, for some in their business, for some in, in all sorts of different vocations. But all of this, as we read in your word, is not peripheral, but is actually the center of your, the center of your restorative plan for this world. And so I pray for every single missionary that calls Oak City Church home. Thank you that you are calling us up to have a grander vision of all you are doing in this world. Lord, I just would humbly submit all of who we are to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, fantastic church. Thanks for being with us this morning. I can't wait to see that video composition next week. That's going to be such a blessing. If you can make sure that you get that to my email um, by Wednesday, it would be great. That is all about blessing the whole body. What a great way to finish off this morning. So thanks, Oak City Church. We'll see you really soon.